You're listening to the Robert Hartley Games Master Podcast. The following is audio from my interactive tabletop role-playing game series, Twitch Tales, which plays out through my Twitch channel, Robert Hartley GM. The chat act as a hive mind collective to control the actions of the main character while all of the NPCs in the wider world is controlled by me. Enjoy. Hello everyone! Welcome to episode 50 of Twitch Tales. Where did we leave off in episode 49? Well, Apis is at the mercy of a youngish green dragon called Lucifreak. Apis is kept prisoner currently in the, uh, in the green dragon's treasure dome, a, 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 his vegetative dome over, over a previously uh, wood elf village uh, where he keeps his living prizes. Apis has persuaded his captors, the uh, the green dragonborn uh, that guard the lair, that they are good at foraging. And so Apis has been allowed out of the dome to forage for the uh, ingredients needed to create potions and, and poisons and things that the, um, the green dragon is wanting the alchemists of the village to do for him. While out of the dome, Apis, uh, Apis capitalized on that by tapping into their um, Horizon Walker, Plane Walker abilities and detecting the nearby portal, detecting for nearby portals, wherein they, dis- they, uh, they, they realized there was indeed a nearby portal a few miles to the northwest of, uh, of where they were being kept. Uh, there was a portal on uh, in a ravine. Apis sort of foraged their way over that direction, and upon uh, upon finding that it was uh, several feet, maybe like fifty feet or so down into the ravine and about ten feet out, they launched a br- uh, a branch. Uh, sorry, they tied a branch to a rope and launched it into the portal. Did a little fishing, pulled it back almost immediately and inspected the branch to see if it had been you know charred. Maybe it's the elemental plane of fire. Uh, was the was the branch wet? Maybe they've just yeeted the branch into the elemental plane of water. Um, was it was it uh, covered in some sort of black ichor and it's some sort of weird elemental plane? Nothing. They inspected the branch. There didn't seem to be any damage to it at all. Um, it also hadn't seemed to have aged uh, terribly. So it's not like there was a huge um, a huge time dilation problem between the two planes either. So all in all, from their very minor sort of investigation of the portal, Apis concluded it was it must be relatively safe to uh, to enter this portal. As one last one last uh, point of safety, they took out their their bone dice, their divination dice that they were given by the um, by uh, Bobby, aka the little shit, and they rolled their bone dice and asked it the question uh, of can they get, uh, will they be able to go through the portal and by the same means return through the portal safely? And the the uh, dice gave the feeling of wheel, uh, a positive affirmation. Apis took that to mean that they would be safe to jump through the portal, so they whee! jumped inside and, uh, well, tied themselves to a rope first, obviously they're not stupid, Tied a, ro- tied a rope around their middle and then yeeted in off of the, uh, the cliff face and into the portal. And that is where we left off. So, 
What happens now? Well, as Apis's feet leave the, the solid ground and they uh, push themselves through the wind towards the slight shimmering where they imagined, uh, where, where they, where they uh, pictured where the portal was, the ground is starting to hurtle towards you and all of the, the wind is rushing past your ears and then all of a sudden your senses all just reboot. They all just restart. Your sight, everything around you, everything you can see as, as you're sort of squinting your eyes against the, the rushing wind, the ground seems to disappear. The opposite cliff face of this ravine seems to disappear. The, the raging river far below seems to disappear. The wind rushing past your ears disappears. And the sense, uh, the sensory uh, um, feeling of the cold uh, wind chill across your skin just disappears. It seems for this moment you have definitively hit the portal. And then all of your senses, like being rebooted, snap back on at once. The wind begins again, even harder than before. The wind chill hits you even harder than before. It is cold uh, because of the, the blustering uh, wind rushing over your skin. Your sight comes back to you, but none of the ground or cliff face or rivers or trees come back to you. Around you is just a sea of sapphire blue in all directions. And within a half a second, you remember you're falling. You fall past the portal at a very rapidly unfurling rope behind you and, f and fall the uh, I did. Actually, I actually did the maths on how much rope you had and, and what angle it would fall to. I think, I can't remember now, but I think it was like 30-ish 30, 30 feet. You fall the remainder of the 30-ish feet until eventually at the bottom of it, wham! The rope catches around your middle in the single, in, in the single uh, waistband of rope that you wrapped around yourself. It hits into your guts and hurts. It's not a pleasant uh, feeling because you... Um, because you weren't in complete unanimous decision to whether or not to tepidly climb down or more dramatically yeet into your portal, swan dive in, I will, for flavour, say that you're not going to take uh, you're not going to take damage from this fall um, because you know you could just as easily have climbed down and avoided this damage. So because it was cooler, <laughs> rule of cool from from swan diving into this portal. Uh, I will not punish you for that and and uh, and and give you damage at the end of this rope. But you did fall 30 feet and get caught, wham, by a single belt of rope around the waist, which you can imagine does not feel fun for Apis. Do we upchuck? <laughs> let's make a let's make a con save for Apis and see if see if see if it manages to uh, vomit up whatever you've just eaten. Four. So yes, one of your the the rations that you ate earlier today. <laughs> Some of it does get forced. Uh, forcibly up into your throat <laughs> and you can feel like there's a little bit of blood mixed in with that as well <laughs> that is not good you um you uh, take the take the moment uh, as the as you're blinking stars out of your eyes and you're in, and, and catching your wind you were uh, you're definitely winded for a second <laughs> your coffin splutter and your um eyesight comes back to you as you quickly sort of grasp behind yourself and hold onto the rope that was behind and take a little of the weight off of your uh, your your stomach 
You take the moment to look around yourself. You can definitely still hear the uh, the rushing wind. A lot of the, uh, that wind and wind chill was from you falling through the air. But it is still quite windy here. Looking around, it is almost impossible to get your bearings. If it wasn't for the fact that you're dangling on the end of a rope, you wouldn't really know which way was down. It is infinitely blue beneath you, and to every side, and above you too. It is dizzying the enormity of your surroundings, and there is nothing but air in every direction. Apis very quickly comes to the conclusion that this is most likely the plane of air that you have found yourself in. You've read about this in your planes book. <laughs> when you contaminate a plane. It's a plane of air and a little bit of sick now. That's what this plane is going to be called from now for, forevermore. <laughs> a plane of air and, and, and a tiny bit of, of dwarf vomit. <laughs> Looking around as the wind passes over you. I will have you make a perception check to see if, in this infinite plane of blue, you see anything out of out of the ordinary. That is cocked, I believe. Yeah, it's cocked. It's up against another dice. Let me try and get some space so it doesn't do that again. Uh, that is a 12. A 12 plus your perception of... You've got a plus 3, plus 5 from Wiz. Uh, so you don't get forest bonus or any advantages, so that's just a plus five. You um, you look around with a 17 perception, you, you sort of blink you know, blink the tears out of your eyes um, and, and <laughs> wrap the rope around to sort of rejig yourself. It's still not a very pleasant way to be dangling from the end of a rope. Uh, it's not like it's under your butt and sort of supporting your weight. It's kind of under your back now as you've turned yourself over in the, in the rope harness. Um, looking around uncomfortably you can make out that it's not actually infinitely blue there are there are wisps of white that you can see from area to area there are sort of patches of almost a marbled blue uh broken up by veins of of, of white in the far distance it is impossible to get any sort of sense of scale without anything uh real to 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 judge it against there are no people here, there are no trees, there are no objects of any kind other than what you brought with you. There's nothing here but these this blue and these these veins of white. And then there is something. There was a there was a brief let up in the wind rushing past you, as it seemed to for a moment stop and reverse. Pass over you and then reverse again and, and continue on as it was before. It was an odd sort of a, a flurry of the wind. And then as you're sort of glancing around, trying to get your hand back up onto the rope, you sort of double take in one direction and there's a couple of minor spots that you can see. Um, you try and find them again and it doesn't take you long to find, oh yeah, there's some a couple of spots there, and they're getting larger. What do you want to do? Can we drop something to get a sense of how the plane acts to an object? We absolutely can plonged. What would you like to drop from the things in your inventory that you can see below me? A caltrop? A bedroll? <laughs> One of your rations? One of your bone dice? 
climb back up a bit so we aren't 30 feet down. <laughs> Alright, let's make an athletics check for you. Uh, athletics, 13 plus your one strength plus your proficiency in athletics, that's three, so that's four, that's uh, 17. 17 athletics. You climb yourself back up so that your the weight is now in your arms and forearms rather than around your back. It's still going to be pretty tough to um, to hold like this for a while, but you've climbed up so that you're in a more comfortable position. You've probably gone about five or ten feet back up the rope at this point. Literally, our only way out is this rope that's currently holding us over an abyss. I don't think we should hang around here too long in case something comes along and decides to cut the rope. You look up the rope to where you came from and you can see it goes about 20-ish uh, feet, uh, maybe about 30 feet at this point because you, I think, I'm pretty sure it was like 34 feet. So I, I think with a 17, you've gone about seven feet up. You've probably got about 27 feet-ish of rope above you and then it just disappears. Just without fading out or anything, it just as sharp as anything as if it was cut and just hanging from a, a magical point in the air, it just disappears. Something we can restock. We could release release a ration. Keep climbing back up to the top. Athletics to get upright, upright using the rope. Yep, you are now upright with your feet dangling below you, uh, but you're holding all of your weight into your arms, which is not easy. We shouldn't drop rations. We might not be allowed to eat back in the dome, so we may need to keep food on us. That is a point. Uh, that is, we've been um, we're in a situation with food regarding the dome where. Uh, uh, we refused to eat with the, the dragon, we refused his hospitality for reasons, um, and so he said, well, if you don't want to eat with me, you won't eat at all, and uh, we've been, we're, we have reason to believe that we won't be allowed to eat, so we have to be careful with our rations now. Can we call out to see if anyone responds, hunters might the things coming for us, drop a cup of peace, we could do all of these things. Alright, let's, uh, let's put it to a vote, which one we want to do, or which one we want to do first. Protect from evil, good. Call out, scurry up the rope, drop a copper piece, or yeet a copper piece. We work out, work the rope down under our butt to a more seated position to free up a hand. Yeah, if we want to do anything with one hand, it will it will be a case of like getting a loop of rope beneath us by scurrying up further and then trying to use that root, root, that loop of rope to try and like secure the rope down under your butt, back up again through the hand, tight tightly uh, weave that to your chest and then you've got a hand free to grab the copper pieces out and things like that. In fact, whatever you choose, you're probably going to want to do that. So I will roll your athletics check to see if you can do that now. Uh, three, three plus four athletics is a seven. It is tough, it is tough. Your, your arms are a little weak. Uh, you were doing a bit of uh, foraging today. You, it's not like you've only just woken up. Um, you have been uh, adventuring, so to speak, today. So I guess your arms are a little bit tired. <laughs> the threes are back. The threes are back in town. Climb up closer to where it disappears, maybe five or ten feet from the exit. The faster we can get out in case of sudden danger, the better. Also, uh, which rope was the one tied around us? The magic or mundane? Um, magic around us, I'm pretty sure. Was it magic around us? The command rope was around us. Okay, yeah. So we do have the magic rope of commanding around us, uh, which will act to your... Uh, act to your specifications. So as you're sort of your your uh, athletics is failing, your arms are tired. You remember that you can just tell this rope to do what you want. So you give it the command to loop itself around you, um, and it does so. And with fifty percent of the vote, we decide to cast protection from evil and good on ourselves. So this is the first time you've actually cast this spell. This is exciting. 
so it is a first level spell. You can kind of see down there in your spell slots uh, that you've got Cure Wounds, Hunter's Mark, Protection from Evil and Good, uh, and Zeph Zephyr Strike. Those are all kind of in the top block. Those are level 1 spells. And then below that you've got Misty Step and Pass Without Trace, which are level 2 spells. And below that you can see that you've got 4 Berries, which indicates you've got 4 level 1 spell slots. And 2 Flowers, indicating you've got 2 level 2 spell slots. We are going to be using one of those level one spell, uh, one of those berries, and casting protection from good and evil. This is the first time you've cast it you, since you learned the spell from Talila, a, um, a an elven arcanist of sorts uh, in in one of the elven villages that you uh, you um, helped out with a few different things. She showed you her notes and uh, and her experiences with the elements uh, and the and the and the creatures from other planes. So with the rope of commanding wrapping itself around you, it frees up one hand um, to reach down into your pouch. You look frantically for the um, the powdered uh, powdered metal, powdered silver that you that you got from her at the time, and you take out a pinch of it. And uh, remembering what she said about using the different sort of chakra points, the different uh, the the points of the body that um, need to be protected the most. You, you, you sprinkle this, uh, this silver over yourself and the powder is whisk, whisked away almost as soon as it touches you from, uh, from the wind, but you feel that's magic still infusing you. The act of doing it is more important than the actual silver itself. Uh, and I will pull up the spell just so I make sure that I don't get anything wrong about it. Uh, it takes one action to cast, so it only takes the six seconds to, to place it on you. Uh, it lasts for 10 minutes or until you drop concentration. And until the spell ends, one willing creature you touch, you, is protected against certain types of creatures, aberrations, celestials, elementals, fey, fiends, and undead. The protection grants several benefits. Creatures of those types have disadvantage to attack you. The target, yourself, cannot be charmed, frightened, or possessed by any of those elementals or what have you. Uh, if you are already charmed, frightened, or possessed by them, it ha you have advantage to save against it. So you are not already charmed, frightened, or possessed by any such creature. But if there is such a creature, probably elemental, given that you're in the plane of air, um, you they, they will have disadvantage to attack you, and you can't be charmed, frightened, or possessed by them. A good time to use it, really. So as you cast this, you, you, you focus in on uh, all of the different things that you try and remember from uh, Talila, uh, her, her description of the spell. It was a very difficult time for you to try and uh, work out what she was meaning, because, because of the huge language barrier between you and her. Uh, but uh, her notes were quite succinct, so you, uh, you you focused in on the notes. And at the end of this few seconds, you feel like your the, the wind stops around you just just very briefly before it starts again, um, and you feel like you have like a almost a barrier, a buffer against the elements. Very good choice, Apis. Good job. At this point, however, you can see that the two uh, two spots that were getting larger are indeed because they're getting closer. At this point, you can tell that they are—they have wings, and whatever it is, <clears throat> it seems to be a creature of some kind, followed by another creature of some kind uh, slightly behind it, and both of them are flying towards you on wings. I'll have you make another perception check. See how much detail you can work out. That is a 7, plus your perception is 5. That is a 12. With a 12, you can't work out much detail other than the fact that they don't seem to be flapping their wings. What do you want to do? You are still like 25 feet down from the 
the uh, where the rope cuts off, and they are significantly uh, significant distance away from you still, hundreds of feet. Just wait here and look friendly. Climb back up a bit more. Do we want to get closer to the exit or stay here and look friendly? So put a yes if you want to climb up the rope, a thumbs up for up the rope, and put a no if you want to just not move. Just just wait here and look friendly and hope that you don't trigger any sort of um, defense from them. It seems like we have a majority. The majority of you wanting to climb up the rope, so you do so. You you give the command rope, uh, the, the command word to the rope to recoil, and it starts to recoil you up the rope, uh, upwards towards the, uh, the the where it exits. It climbs climbs you closer and closer and closer. You keep an eye on these creatures, and uh, I will have you roll another perception check. The DC is now lower because they are closer. Net twenty. Look at that. So a net 20, <clears throat> plus your uh, 5 perception, with a 25, you are about 10 feet from the exit now. You are 10 feet from the exit when you can finally make out the detail of what is coming at you. And it confuses the hell out of you. Because they are coming from the side, if not a little bit below you. And as you're coming from the side or a little bit below, they shouldn't be falling in the way that they are. You realise the reason they're not flapping their wings is because they are in they're in a uh, a, a um, halo dive situation. Their wings are tucked back behind them, and what is falling towards you seems to be a couple of humanoids. They look like they're built like humanoids. They've got they've got arms, legs, a head, and a torso, but also wings. Their head is beaked. And uh, and aimed towards you with beady little um, beady little uh, uh, um, eagle eyes on the front of their face. They have a muscular torso and they don't seem to be wearing clothing, but they oh, slung over one shoulder is an arrow, uh, a bow and arrow, and under the other is a um, a javelin. And they are diving towards you, hands out in front, um, and. Uh, and, and making their way towards you very fast, hundreds of feet per second, it seems. They are in free fall, but they are falling at an angle that is that is upwards, if anything. This sudden change of perspective, I need you to roll a wisdom saving throw for. That bounced out. Uh, with a 12 plus 2 from your wisdom save is a 14. 14 is not enough. Suddenly... Your change in perspective leads you to sort of swirl around and realize that your perspective of what was down was not necessarily what you thought was down, where you were hanging on the edge of this rope. And the moment that your perspective of what down what down might be here changes, so does your gravity. And suddenly, exactly opposite direction to where they're falling, that becomes down for you. And you fall from the rope, from your little loop of uh, seat on this rope. <sighs> And you suddenly start to fall in that direction. The coil of rope been, uh, that was beneath you is now above you, or slightly to the uh, the, bot the above angle from you. And now it, you fall out from beneath it. And this command rope, which was told to uh, to coil you back in, is doing so. But now it is whipping you. Uh, I will have you make a dexterity save to try and grab this rope as you uh, as you fall out of it. You're not falling out of the rope entirely. It's still wrapped around your waist, but you're falling out of your seat. Uh, 18, so the next save you managed to take only half damage from the uh, the rope coming in to whip around your waist 
you fall uh, about 30 feet, so the 10 feet that you were beneath the uh, portal anyway, you fall past the portal and another 20 feet past it. And what's my falling rules? Let's have a look on my DM screen for my falling damage table. 30 feet is 6d3. Um, oh, actually, what was your deck save? Yeah, you made it. 6d3, so I need 66 and a half each dice, half the number. Oh, I've got, I've got some d6. Got some wooden d6, haven't I? <laughs> um, there we go, that's so half of that, that's 10, 14, 18, and another 5 uh, makes 23 halved and rounded to 12. You take 12 points of bludgeoning damage as you, as you fall to the end of this rope and again feel this very uncomfortable position, this uncomfortable situation of a single rope wrapped around your waist like a belt, <laughs> whipping into you from a 30 foot fall. <clears throat> and even worse is because the, the rope was still under the command of, of retracting you in. So it was retracting against you that way as you were falling this way. <clears throat> you take 12 points of, uh, of bludgeoning damage around your waist. As you uh, slam into the edge of this, about the same time, these uh, these creatures arrive and their wings come whipping out behind them and slow their descent uh, to where you are. And they they uh, they stand from about sixty feet away um, from level-ish with you, for whatever level means in this weird plane of air. And both of them have uh, have their javelins uh, tucked on into their into a belt around their waist. Um, which does, which is seemingly d there to, to hold up their quivers and their javelins rather than to actually um, uh, hold up any pants because they're not wearing they're not wearing clothes. They have uh, very much scaly um, bird-like legs, avian legs, and an avian head with just this muscular humanoid torso, uh, albeit feathered. They have their ar their bows in hand and an arrow knocked, uh, but it's not pointed at you. They seem to be discussing to themselves as you as you blink yourself back into a. a um, uh, awareness of your surroundings, blink the pain out of your gut and try and swallow down the extra <laughs> the extra vomit that has now been forced up into your throat. Uh, they, uh, You reach around and grab the rope and give it, uh, manage to choke out another command word to, um, uh, to for it to loop itself back under you. They seem to be speaking to each other in this, uh, this bird-like language that you don't understand. Uh, I'll have you roll a history check, actually, or maybe a nature check. Nature or history, which one makes the most sense here? History, I think. Um, just to see if you recognise what an Arakokra is. With a 19 plus 3 intelligence, you do, yes. With a 22, you have heard of Arakokra. Maybe recently in your plane book that you've been reading. One of these books you can see in your inventory below us is about the planes. Uh, general sort of overview of each plane. Um... And perhaps on the plane of air, you've sort of skimmed past and heard so that some of the denizens there are a, a race of bird-like people uh, called Arakokra. And you probably stopped and uh, had to reread the word a couple of times because it's a difficult spelling. <laughs> Double A's and K and what have you. Um, so you, 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 you have heard of them. You, you, your brain immediately goes to potentially these guys at Arakokra. With a 22, you probably also know that they are... Um, <laughs> pardon the pun, a little bit flighty. They they sort of go with the wind, as it were. They, they're gone with the wind. They 
they're not so steadfast in any of their dealings. They 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 live their life somewhat carefree. They're, they're not uh, they don't live by a rigid sense of um, rigid sense of culture and tradition and right and wrong. Uh, they're they're a little bit more flighty. So uh, it could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. It means that they're more likely to um, to deal with you on a whim. So the birds are. Uh, squawking to themselves from about 60 feet away. There's about 15 feet between the two of them. And you are you are now, uh, the, the rope is now curled underneath you. And because you've given it another command, it is no longer coiling you up uh, towards the, or up or sideways towards the portal that you fell through. What do you want to do? Over to you guys. What do you wish to, to do in this situation? Birds like music, right? I thought we tried to connect with them through the panpipes. We You can definitely do so to to bread. That's one vote for panpipes. Offer some rations, scope kiss, scope kiss says. Mythical says, get into a comfortable position. Yeah, you uh, you take a second and you do, the, the rope does coil itself beneath you again and uh, and you are now seated on the, the rope of coiling, the rope of commanding. Fancy's voting panpipes as well. All right, let's do a, um, let's do a thumbs up for panpipes and thumbs down for not panpipes. Wrap the rope around our arm, show, hold our hands up to show that we're unarmed. That's a good idea as well, just like you have your hand free uh, this rope for the rope of commanding to actually work you do need to be holding it all right let's see most people saying yes we are going to play the panpipes here all right let's uh, let's let's give it a panpipes check so you um uh, you you hold up your other hand to to show you're unarmed and you're not exactly on oh you are unarmed thinking about it because um the you, your weapons got taken off you by the um the the dragon so it's probably for the best that you don't you don't have an arrow a bow and arrow on you and you don't have a, a short sword or anything um you are literally unarmed so uh, you sort of hold up your hand and you give it a little wave and and you you slowly reach for your uh, your bag and at this the 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 arrows both kind of knock uh, and and just like they put a little tension into the the bowstring they're not they're still not um properly uh, pulled back and aiming at you but they've got the uh, the the, the their claw-like talons around the, uh, the the bowstring, and their other hand is holding the arrow in place in the in the uh, in the bow, so that at a very moment's notice, they can take a take a aim and 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 pull back. So they're watching you, and as you sort of lift the the satchel bag, um, uh, one of them seems to actually let me make an insight check for you. Insight, hey, not twenty. Off to a roll, nat 20 plus your insight, uh, 22. One of them seems to shout at you, but it's weird. And the reason I asked for an insight check to see whether he was shouting is that he just opens his mouth and then breathes very loudly towards you. He, as you as you lift this, the flap on your satchel bag and put your hand into the bag, his bow comes up just a little further, still not exactly pointed towards you. But then he goes... <sighs> The entire thing seems to be the sound of rushing winds and uh, and, and breeze. Uh, there's there's a couple of um, uh, couple of sort of consonants almost in there that sound like a a very brief rustle of a leaf. It uh, it sounds like he's speaking to you in the language of wind, um, and with your plus three intelligence and the and the check from before regarding the planes, your history check. Um, it's quite possible that he's speaking Oran, which is a, uh, a language of, of air that elementals speak. And yes, the, the Arakokra do have both wings and arms. 
Uh, with that 22 insight, you can tell that he is shouting even without kn uh, knowing the first thing about the Auron language. You can tell from the um, the body language that your hand in the bag has uh, has worried him a little bit, and he's 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 um, preparing to shoot at you. You move very slowly as you pull your hand out back out of the bag with your panpipes in hand and, uh, and show them off and you can see, same insight check from before, you can see that he lowers his, his bow again uh, as he talks in the other language that he was speaking to the other Arakokra. Um, I'll have you roll a perception check as well. Uh, 15 plus perception of 5. So with dirty 20, you can you can also see that uh, the other Arakokra that he was speaking to, he has more, you can, you've, you've not quite so, you've had a little more time to, um, to, to look, to suss them out now, to be looking at them. You can see that uh, they're very eagle-like, they're both very eagle-like in their um, appearance, but one of them has slightly darker brown feathers, the one that was just being talked to, not the one that was uh, talking to you. The one that was being talked to uh, with the, the brown of feathers, you sort of glance across at him to see how he's reacting now. Um, and you notice another head. A tiny little head poking out from behind his back between his two wings. Um, a green um, scaly head with uh, slits for nose, uh, noses and, uh, and sort of long uh, elongated yellow eyes. Its head pokes out uh, on a long sort of um, serpentine neck. And then its mouth opens, and a little, a tiny little red tongue pops out, and you can, you could swear it was, uh, it was forked at the end. <laughs> you pull, pull the uh, panpipes up to your uh, mouth, and you give a little, give a little toodle. Um, I will say that, I will say, you're doing this with one hand. Yeah, you can do panpipes with one hand easily enough. So no disadvantage on this one. Is it a dragon? Uh, it is not a dragon, it doesn't seem like. It does seem reptilian in that sense. It looks lizard-like. Um, are there any snakes native to England for reasons? There are native species of snake in England. Adder, grass snake, and smooth snake. All right, so uh, Apis would have come across snakes then. Apis has grown up in the fantasy equivalent of England. So I was wanting to know whether Apis knew what a snake was. Uh, Apis recognises this, this creature as the head of a snake, then. Um, it looks very much like a grass snake. So, uh, you, you, you play your little panpipes. Let's, uh, let's, see, let's see how it goes, shall we? <laughs> oh boy, here we go. It could be good, it could be good. Mathematics says it should be good. <laughs> it's a, you've got a plus four, you've got a charisma and then pers pr uh, proficiency in it, which is plus three. We got this, come on Apis, you got this, you got this. Here we go, here we go. <laughs> I don't know if you saw behind my head. <laughs> it, it rocked. It rocked for so long and it bounced off of a 15. It stayed on a 15 and then bounced off onto a 5. <laughs> um, so, you do, not have in, uh, you do not have a lucky horseshoe for the day. You've used that, but you do have inspiration. So that is a 9. That is below average. Um, <laughs> do you want to re-roll? Put a, put a thumbs up in the chat if you want to re-roll that with your inspiration for the day, the little uh, trophy you can see down there. Or put a thumbs down if you do not want to uh, use that and just go with the nine, go with the below average performance. You, you want to re-roll, it, like it seems like almost unanimous. If we did good with the pan we wouldn't be apis. 
Oh boy, like that time when we uh, we were trying to soothe the um, <laughs> soothe the Sasquatch, and we we used three rerolls to finally get a twelve. <laughs> and the first two were like a two ones or something. First impressions are important. All right, we need this, so we are going to use the reroll. Uh, sorry for those who didn't want it. You are outnumbered. More of the synapses of Apis's brain wanted to use it. So we re-roll with our inspirate. We're feeling inspired. We do a little trill to warm up. It is a below average twill. trill. <laughs> you have just been winded pretty badly and your stomach is sore from, from twice in about two minutes, smacking into a, a long rope around your waist. Uh, you've taken a bit of damage and now you are... You are uh, <laughs> your diaphragm's taken a little bit of a bruise. Uh, so you, you, you warm yourself up and then with inspiration... That bounced with inspiration... Nine. Still below average on the dice, but at least with your plus four proficiency, that's a thirteen. <laughs> so you, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't a nat one. You're okay. We're the averagest. <laughs> we certainly are. You do a little, uh, a little trill with your panpipes, um, and they, they sort of glance at one another and then back at you, and their head cocks. Their heads cock. You get to the, the end of your little uh, little performance. How, how how long do you reckon you're uh, you're playing for? Is it just like a real quick uh, two minute song, or is it like a is it like a you're playing for ten minutes? What, what's what's the what's the dealio? Just a, a quick hello, just a quick hello. One minute, two minutes, three minutes. All right, so average that out. We'll just say you're doing about two minutes. Birds do love music. Do at least three minutes. That's a good point. That is a good point. Few people have been saying a little bit longer, so we'll we'll take the average to be like three minutes. Okay, so three minutes of of uh, a little of performance, and it is above average. It's below average for you. Apis knows that with circumstances as they are, uh, you could have possibly done a better job of it. Um, but you you still feel like it's okay. Well, I've I've done an okay job. As far as an introduction of an alien person to a native, a uh, couple of warriors who may kill me if I don't do a good job. As far as that goes, you've done a pretty good job. It definitely seems like they have uh, appreciated it, um, as they, as uh, you can tell that by the fact that they have lowered their um, their uh, bows to their waist, their waists. The entire time they've just been flopping as if they're treading water, as it were. It doesn't seem to be that effortful for them to uh, to, to have to stay where they are. It seems like they're um, they're able to tread water, as it were, to to, to tread air uh, with their wings without expending too much in the way of energy. So they're just kind of like bobbing there in space um, uh, with their with their bows at their waists, hearing you out. Uh, there is n little to no facial expression on them, though. However, with um, with them having bird faces, it's uh, it's very difficult to. Um, to read any sort of expression on their, their their beaks or their eyes, they don't really have expressive brows or um, or, or, or mouths that move into into uh, lips that can curl into smiles or anything like that. But from their body language, it doesn't seem like they're aggressive towards you. At the end, you finish with a little like a little trill, and then you um, sort of put the slowly put your hand back into your bag and uh, and lift it back out and give a little wave. And one of them starts, sort of starts to swoop towards you with the wings. Flies to within about 20 feet of you. Um, still has the arrow knocked in one hand. He's holding both the bow and the arrow through his fingers, but he's let go with the other. He's let go of the string with the other hand. It seems like he's he's still 
not put his arrow away, so he doesn't want to like put himself in a vulnerable vulnerable position. But he's willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. It seems he flies over, and it seems like he's talking to you. And they see the portal. They haven't yet referenced anything. The uh, the one that flew over to you is the uh, the darker brown one with the um, the the snake over his shoulder. And as you um, as you as you now see him a lot closer, uh, about twenty feet away, uh, the snake uh, slithers over his shoulder and on the back of the snake, uh, protruding from about uh, about a third of the way down the the, the length of the snake, comes two uh, feathered wings out the back as well, all both curled back onto the snake. And as it slithers over the front, the wings of the snake unfurl and it takes off and just sort of like flies next to him in space, kind of all killed around uh, in, in, in sort of a, um, uh, 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 almost ready to pounce kind of a situation of a snake, but the, the front of it is still out and the wings are keeping it aloft. You um, say hello in Sylvan and then, sorry, I'm sorry, I don't understand. Uh, we speak all of the languages that we can say, Dwarvish, Sylvan and Draconic. Um, we try to communicate in common. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Uh, and then you say it again in Sylvan. Um, as you say it in Sylvan, the snake cocks its head. It's, say it louder. <laughs> say, say it louder. I don't understand you. The snake you noticed did react to the Sylvan. As uh, anyone who's relatively new to my games, uh, you may not realize, you may not know, Sylvan, in my games at least, is not quite a language of animals, but it is a language that trainers, animal trainers, will of often use because animals uh, have a tendency to understand Sylvan much easier than they do any other language. Uh, they, you can't directly communicate with an animal in Sylvan, but they are much more likely to understand your general meaning if you speak to them in Sylvan than if you speak to them in, in any other language. And some animals, uh, like Mel, your giant bee companion, um, whom you've left on the material plane, some animals actually do speak Sylvan as well, properly, and then you can communicate with them. So you use a little bit of sign. Uh, you don't speak sign language, but you know a couple of different uh, semaphore sort of languages that you've used with Mel before. Um, uh, you, you use a little bit of uh, the semaphore kind of language that you've developed with Mel. You also speak to them in Sylvan and say, I'm sorry, I don't understand. It seems like the snake doesn't speak Sylvan, neither do these, um, these Arakokra. Uh, but the snake understands enough of your meaning, um, and through its body language and its affinity with its uh, its, its master, its hunting companion, uh, the snake sort of flies over and curls itself around the the, the upper chest and neck of this uh, arakokra until its head pokes back out the other side, and its head's up here. And <laughs> you're not sure whether it's speaking to the um, the arakokra or whether it's just using its body language to um, to portray uh, the emotion. But one way or another, you can you can get the impression that uh, it is communicating that you are not. It, it doesn't consider you a threat. The um, the other Arakokra, the lighter brown feathered one, um, has now flown sort of around the back of you and uh, sort of spiraled itself upwards towards where the portal is, where the um, uh, where the rope that you're hanging from just seemingly disappears, and it seems to be inspecting that particular area. Try and introduce ourselves with Sylvan and sign language. So we say we we sort. Of, um, I am Apis. Apis. Uh, I I come from up there, <laughs> pointing towards the top of the rope. And you you say the word friend uh, in Sylvan, which uh, uh, I base Sylvan on French in my world. So you say ami, 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 
point to the mouth and then the ear and make a shrug motion here. It's very qu quickly clear to them that you don't speak either of the languages that they speak and they don't speak any of the four languages that you speak. Um, so, what do you want to do? You, uh, you're, in a, you're at an impasse. Neither of you speak the other person's language. Uh, one of them is investigating you, so you can see him kind of looking up and down and, and trying to work out what you are or why you got here, maybe. Um, and the other one is investigating the rope at the top. Use performance to get my point across with hand motions. Very, very little hand motions you can do with one hand on the rope and the other hand uh, free as you ha hang above this infinite abyss. Offer them some food, offer them some coins. Um, gift them the ring. Take out some food to offer. All right, so let's, um, it seems like a few people offshore pictures in books. That could be a good idea. That's a good idea, I like that. Uh, let's go with a poll then and question. What to do now? All right, so those are our five options. Offer some rations, offer some money, offer them a feather, uh, show them some pictures, or demonstrate the portal by throwing something through it. All right, with 46% of you wanting to show some pictures and 40% uh, of you wanted to demonstrate the portal, uh, I will have to... That wasn't a majority of the vote, so I'll have to do another very quick one-minute poll where I lose the lower two options, like uh, offer them the feather, offer them some money, and offer them some rations. I'll actually get rid of all of those. And I'll just do another poll with show them some pictures and demonstrate the portal, and we'll decide which one of those two things we're going to do. We might do both. But we, which one are we going to do first? We might not get the chance to do both. All right, with 64% of the vote, we are just going to demonstrate the portal. Try and explain, look, we're just explorers. We came from a thing. We didn't mean to, mean to be here, sorry. Shows that they're not a threat, hopefully. Um, so you slowly again reach down into your pouch. And of all of the things that you have, probably the most expendable thing that you have on you is uh, the copper piece. So you take out a copper piece and you uh, and, and very slowly you move your hand out and show that there's a, a, a copper piece of metal and the guy um, about 20 feet away is, uh, sort of swoops about 10 feet from you now and you show that there's a copper piece and, the, and, you, and to the guy up there he calls up and gets the guy's attention he's sort of flying above the, um, the rope uh, you can see that he's kind of like reaching for the rope and he's sort of like pulling it a little bit and it's jiggling as if it's com under complete tension from above even though it just disappears right above his hand. Um, and, and he takes a sort of a, a swoop backwards. And you... One, two, three! <laughs> and you launch this copper piece up in the air. Um, I am going to have you roll a... Uh, a ranged attack essentially to see if you can uh, see see what your aim is like in this situation uh, that's a 16 16 plus your decks of three definitely enough it's on target to uh, to get up to the rope I'm gonna roll him an insight check though to see whether he knows what you're trying to do and <laughs> and uh, and he uh, the guy who just swooped backwards sees you toss something up to him and so he swoops in and grabs it uh, and looks at the coin. And then he swoops back down and holds it out to you. He's now five feet from you. He doesn't seem like he's threatened by your presence anymore. Uh, doesn't doesn't worry himself about being uh, next to you. He just holds it out and hands it back to you. You take it back. Uh, I'll have you make an insight check. Um, the DC's pretty high because of their... Their, their, their feathery faces, their feathery bird faces and beaks. Uh, that's going to be a four. Uh, with a 
four insight plus your insight modifier of two six you don't understand what he was trying to say to you when he handed you it back um but you have it now so you you, tr you try again you sort of like put your hand out and then you you try again one two three let's see you got your aims like this time three it disappears uh, and you and, and it goes like five ten feet wide maybe like yeah like five feet wide of, of where your rope ends and then it just sails up and then you notice that it sails past it and instead of sailing on an arc and then falling again it sails and then it just sort of slows and stops about 20 feet past the portal in the direction that you threw it the arakokura kind of cocks his head turns to the other one <coughs> And then the brown one whoo, takes off, flies up to where it was, and just kind of stop, uh, hovers next to it. And then he picks it up and flies it back down to you. Hands it back out. And now they're both next to you, handing this, handing this copper piece back. And you're unwittingly playing fetch with a couple of Aracocra. <laughs> what do you want to do now? You want to try a third time? Coil the rope so we get closer. All right, so it's a very confusing situation for everyone. You, you, uh, you, you sort of like, yeah, okay. You give the command to the rope to start coiling, and it starts to coil back up, and they both back back out away. Um, and they don't like pull up their weapons towards you, but they're in like sort of a defensive kind of cautious stance. Not that they're standing, but you know what I mean. You get up to within ten feet, and then you give the the um, you get like five feet from the edge of the rope, so that it's close enough that you can just about reach up to where the rope ends, and then you give the command to the rope to stop, and it stops. And then and then you get the coin, and you you show them, and they both kind of fly up towards you, and you just like toss it up, and it this time no check needed. Obviously, you're only five feet from it. It disappears, and it's gone doesn't back, come back through the portal. You're kind of half expecting that it might come back through the portal because it'll come out the other side and then fall back in. It doesn't. Both of them kind of cock their heads again and one of them flies up. He takes out one of his arrows from his quiver and just like points and gestures in the direction of the top of the rope. And the arrow goes, the arrow tip uh, passes past the rope and as it does, the arrow tip disappears. <laughs> He withdraws his hand almost in surprise and the arrowhead comes back. The other one comes up, the, the uh, dark brown one, and he knocks an arrow and just points it at the portal and before you can stop him, he draws back and fires with quite a um, practiced arm, it seems. The arrow goes sailing out of his bow and through the uh, edge of the portal almost immediately. Never comes back. The other one answers in the wind language. Looks around, uh, the, the, the other one kind of beady-eyed looks around himself as if he was seeing something. You have a little look around as well. You don't notice anything other than these two, uh, these two uh, Arakokra and this flying snake. So you're not sure what he could possibly be sort of um, almost worriedly looking around himself for. And 
and then they both start talking in Aracochran rather than Auron. Both of them kind of like t tuck away and almost like uh, almost dive away from you, and they circle back around to about where you were hanging um, uh, just before pulling yourself up now, and then right up right up against one another. They seem to be having more of a whispered conversation. It seems they've pulled away from you so that you can't overhear them, even though they are under the impression you don't speak their language anyway. They're, they're not being... Uh, they can't be too cautious about it, it seems. Does one of our books describe the wild language at all? Unfortunately not, no. Um, the uh, primordial languages, that is the uh, the four elemental languages, almost impossible for humanoid tongues to uh, to recreate. Not impossible. Under a lot of practice you can, you can learn to um, replicate them in a certain horrible way. Um, at least enough to be understood. It is impossible for humanoid tongues to uh, tongues and throats to ever replicate it to the point where you are um, considered to be like a native speaker of that language, uh, because you just don't have the vocal makeup of uh, an elemental. But uh, yeah, it's it, you could, with a lot of practice, learn to replicate some of the sounds. But it's not it's it's not a book on linguistics, uh, so it doesn't even de it doesn't even describe um, the the language itself that much. You put your left arm in, your left arm out, left arm in, and you shake it all about. So what do you want to do? You, uh, you, you've got them kind of interested. They've obviously definitively worked out that there's some kind of a portal situation here. Um, they're interested and they're talking amongst themselves now. You're about five feet from the exit. You want to just hang out and wait for them. What are the chances the Aracocra shot an arrow through and accidentally hit the green dragon right between the eyes? All right, so who's in favor of sticking your hand or body part through the portal? Maybe to either your hand through and back out again or your head through to see if anybody's following you on the other side. Who's in charge of some body part or another sticking through the portal? Put a thumbs up in the chat. Can we tell the snake in Sylvan that there's danger through the portal? Uh, you can do, yeah. You, uh, you say danger in Sylvan and uh, the, the snake is down with his uh, with his with his masters doesn't seem to pay you mind or understand perhaps all right so that's a majority yes you are going to stick your hand through you uh, you stick your hand through the portal um instantly you feel like it's uh it, it your hand itself how am i going to do this because it sets precedent for future half going through a portal what implications does that have for spell casting and because if you if you if you put your hand through a portal and spell cast, then they still can't target you in re reverse. So that's pretty pretty uh, breaking. I feel like I feel like the best way to uh, to be safe going forwards here is that objects like rope and arrows and things can go halfway through and disappear, but uh, living creatures of any kind will have to either be definitively on one side or the other. So as you um, as you, uh, you you put your hand up above the rope of the uh, above the end of the rope, your hand passes through that area and is still visible, which probably worries you somewhat because uh, because you realise oh god this is my way home as it closed have I lost it, but then a moment passes and you think no my rope is still clearly here if if the portal had closed surely it would have severed my rope. Um, so you push your hand a little further and a little further and your head goes past the edge of where the rope is as well um, and you see the Aracocra kind of looking up uh, towards you and then 
suddenly your sensors go black. Everything for a, a brief moment just reboots. Uh, it's the second time in about, I'd say you've been on this side of the portal for about 15 minutes at this point. Um, you, your, your uh, sensors reboot like it did 15 minutes ago. And then suddenly your senses come back to you almost uh, almost instantaneously. There is wind rushing. There is uh, the, the, the uh, suddenly no longer infinite uh, blue around you. There is indeed there is instead uh, a ravine with a uh, river running below it. And the sense of falling again, as you have fallen out of the other side of the the, um, the portal, and. And now you fall the uh, remainder of your rope, no longer held aloft by uh, cartoony physics of, of which way is down. There is a definitive gravity on this side of the portal. The gravity swings you and your rope into the cliff face. Poof! You will uh, get to roll a dexterity saving throw to see if you take, uh, see if you can have the damage incoming. Uh, 11 plus 3 plus another 3, so that is a 17 dexterity saving throw. Uh, you were coiled up pretty closely, so you were only f 5 feet from there, 50 feet from there. So you're going to fall 5, let me do some quick trigonometry here. 50 feet, 10 feet, another. So you go in, you're swinging into the wall. It's about 15 to 20 feet of damage here. So let me look at my fall damage. Fall damage, 20 feet, 3d3, 17 dc. So you just made the dc to halve the damage. Uh, so it's going to be 3d3 halved, uh, which is 10, 14 halved, 7 points of damage. So you took 12 before, 7 again now. You've taken 19. You took 2 from scraping against the rock face uh, in the previous episode. Uh, so that's 12, 19, 21. You've taken 21 of your max HP damage now. As you fall from the other side of the portal and smack against the cliff face, you manage to get your feet out just in time to kind of like half soften the blow and take only half of that. You got battered against the, the, the wall, uh, stubbed your toe a little, yeah. Um, uh, but you realize, oops, apparently there's only a, uh, there's, there's a definitive threshold of this, um, this portal here. Uh, that you that you did, that you now know about <laughs> at least at least it's uh, now a definitive answer to passing through this portal. That's correct, Wraith. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, three. Oh, it's because I didn't half it. I didn't. I halved it to get the three d three, and then have I should have halved it again. So instead of seven, it should have been four. So you get uh, three health back. I rolled. I didn't have three d three, so I rolled three d six, and then I forgot to have it. Thank you for keeping me honest there, Wraith. Um, so, what do you want to do? You are dangling fifty feet down on a um, on a, a rope. Uh, the last ten feet of which is your uh, your magic rope, and then the rest of it is just real rope that you'll have to climb. Uh, so you you <clears throat> you give the uh, command to the rope to to coil, it, coil itself back up properly. You um you, it, it it helps to drag you back up the uh, ten feet, and then you've got forty feet of uh, of, of regular rope to climb. So this is going to be athletics checks. It is not knotted or anything, so you just don't you don't have advantage on it. Your athletics is a plus four. Uh, that is a four plus four eight. Um, it is a tough climb. You are kind of battered and bruised now. You've taken a bit of a <clears throat> bit of a battering from smacking into the uh, the rocks a couple times and being battered around your waist. 
Um, and on top of that, you've been uncomfortably hanging off of a rope for the last 15 minutes. Uh, I mean, somewhat comfortably, you've been in a bit of a rope seat at least. But for one reason or another, your arms are tired and you're just not uh, you're just not able to make much progress. You get to about 30 feet from the top before you have to kind of just stop and rest and like just just get yourself into a, a point of equilibrium. As you're hanging there, resting, 30 feet down off the edge of this cliff, the light around you gets a little darker. You're looking at the cliff face and a cloud clearly passes in front of the sun because it gets darker and visibly colder, uh, physically colder. And you glance up to see, no, that wasn't a cloud. That is a green dragon whose claws have reached the edge of the cliff face and his neck reaches out, his wings unfurling above you as he looks down at you with a snarl and a smile. So, what did you find on the other edge of that portal? An escape route, perhaps? And you say... If I meant to run, Lord Lucifreak, I wouldn't have tied myself to a tree in order to get back. Not that I could run through there, even if I wanted to. The whole world on that side seems to be nothing but blue. You said you wanted me to practice my powers, and I didn't think you'd be satisfied with me just finding a portal, but investigating what's on the other side. I'm going to make you roll a persuasion check for that. You're not exactly deceiving him. Um, you seem to uh, you seem to be telling him the truth. Uh, that is essentially what you were doing, but um, there's a persuasive element needed there. That was a 9. A 9 plus your persuasion of 1, that is a 10. That's right down the middle, average-wise. You told me to work on my planar travel abilities, so that's precisely what I'm doing. I found the plane of air, and if it wasn't for the rope, I would have spent the rest of my life falling forever. Not a particularly practical escape for me, since I, can, uh, since I can't fly. Now, I did see a, good, a little bit of chat there about whether or not to talk about the Aarakocra. So for that particular point, are we going to tell them about the Aarakocra, yes or no? Thumbs up for yes, tell them about the Aarakocra. Thumbs down for no, don't tell them about it. Most people thinking no, do not mention the Aarakocra. Right. So there was nothing on that other side than air. An infinite place. Of nothing but falling. Nothing at all. Nothing but falling forever. <laughs> I mean, there's some vomit there now. <laughs> Gravity uh, changed for me while I was there. It was I, 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 I fell in two different directions. It's all topsy-turvy in there. It seemed to sort of orient itself after I realised which way was down. Flying snake and a couple of birds, you could say. What do you guys think? It seems from his clarifying question there, he's asking was there anything other than uh, falling infinitely that you want to tell me about? Do you want to say anything other than it was just an infinite void? Yes or no? The One of the Aarakocras shot an arrow through, like a minute or two before you came through. There was an arrow flying out, we have no weapons, he knows there's something, right? There's a good chance that he knows there's something. I felt dizzy and sick and confused there mostly. 
He does not react well when he catches us lying. That has been a proven fact in the past. We have lied to him and he's caught us, and uh, he's not enjoyed that. Could say we were too disoriented to figure out where it came from, but I may have been shot at. That could be a good one. All right, this is going to require a poll, because Apis's uh, synapses are all firing at once up here about what to do. What to say? Uh, so our options are... Are we going to respond with the 100% truth of everything that happened when we were going on there, including the existence of the two-hour cockra with arrows, the flying snake, and the fact that gravity was all topsy-turvy we've already mentioned? Um, should we say, uh, th there may have been something there that shot at me, it was hard to tell, but I, I felt like an arrow whizzed past me um, to try and explain away the arrow. Uh, you could say a little bit more of a truth that, oh, there was a birdman with an arrow there as well and just kind of be vague about it. Technically the truth, but holding something's back. Um, tell a lie that there was another there was a different tethered creature there that shot an arrow at us. Or just a 100% lie and say nothing, no, there was nothing else other, nothing else other than um, infinite void. You are 30 foot down on a rope. He is right where that rope is. The rope goes under, underneath him between his two claws. The portal is, to your knowledge, about 20 feet down and 10 feet out from the rope uh, so you are above the, where the portal is now so if you if you wanted to for whatever reason there is a portal behind you in the last few seconds there it comes down to an exact tie between the top two votes with 47 percent of the vote to each so i will be doing a uh, preferential voting there we'll drop it down to just a one minute vote 100 percent truth or we may have been shot at <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Apis is conflicted. <laughs> I feel like Apis's synapses may be, uh, may be somewhat trollish, and some of you may be holding out to see which one is in the underdog, and then and then uh, and then voting for that. Alrighty then. Well, I have in a set of dice that I received recently, there came a coin. We are going to toss a coin, since Apis's synapses cannot cannot decide which to do. The bat symbol is going to be, uh, we tell the lie. And D&D dice symbol is going to be that we tell 100% of the truth. Bat symbol. We are going to tell the lie that we may have been shot at. So we say, in response to him saying, so uh, so there was just an infinite nothingness, infinite falling forever. You say, uh, yes, it, seem, it seems that way. I was, I was sick and dizzy and confused. Um, it, it's so bizarre to the brain to not see a ground below, below you. Um, in fact, at one point, I think I, I, might, I might have been shot at by something. There was, there was a sort of a a feeling of something whizzed past my head. Um, and he goes, Ah, oh, right. And you didn't see who was shooting? I, I, as I say, it was it was really disorienting to, to be on the... I, I just got back out as soon as I could. Got back out as soon as you could. So this rope was particularly difficult to climb. This rope that has tangled itself around you at your request. It was particularly difficult to climb, was it? 
took you two hours to climb back out, did it? You climbed back out as soon as you could. I slipped, uh, slipped a couple of times. I did fall once or twice. Right, yes. And after... Ten minutes after this arrow shot at you, you finally made it out of the hole. Um... Two hours. It's been it's been ten minutes. I've been uh, I was I was only gone for ten minutes. Ten minutes. I see. Ah, right. Ten minutes. So I've been standing here for an hour and a half, watching this rope tethered into uh, the infinite abyss of nothingness, disappearing into nothing. And I guess I've just imagined that it's taken me an hour and a half for me to finally see you again. I swear it's only been a few minutes for me. It's a there's a curious nature of portal transition that the the the, the worlds on either side must experience time differently. Right, I see. And this thing shot at you, and yet you scurried out of the the hole without any ability to see what was behind. I was scurrying for my life. If something was shooting at me, and I was in a different plane of existence, where I, at any moment this rope could have been shot, I could have fallen infinitely. I was getting out as quickly as I could. I didn't have time to see what was behind. Right. And your coins fell out of your purse? What? Your coins fell out of your purse. A good half an hour before the arrow. A coin fell from the portal. That was part of it, was it? Not able to keep your belongings to yourself? I think there must be time dilation occurring between the, the planes. I've, I've read that that's a thing that can occur. I've got a book I can show you. I, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. You can go through and see for yourself. Right. What a wonderful idea. And his neck retracts back from over the edge of the, the cliff and stands upright. And he just he doesn't say a sound. You've seen him do this once before. He doesn't say a sound, but then there's a fluttering from trees around you as dozens of birds take off and start to swirl around above. And then one of them retracts itself from the the, uh, the, the, the flock and flies down. It's a wood pigeon of sorts, it seems. It flies down and circles round, gets real close to his head. And then it darts down towards where your rope was. I'm gonna see if it hits it first time. Let's have a look. Percentage chance, pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> I said it's a pretty low percentage chance that the bird will hit it first time. I rolled a one, a one percent, double oh one. So yep, it def definitively gets it first chance. The bird disappears directly into the area where you were, and disappears. Well, we'll see then, won't we? And then his 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 legs sort of buckle under a into a um a resting pose right above you, and you feel the te the the rope sort of give as his claws kind of both wrap around the rope, and he puts his head back on, looking at you. You wait for about a minute or so in the tension of what was going on, and then. A bird comes re-emerging back through the uh, the portal and flies back up to the dragon and lands on its uh, lands right behind the um, the crest of his uh, his frill, and it tucks its head down next to his ear. It 
in that time that you're waiting, you look around and you can take a look at the sky and realize that, yeah, I don't, you don't think he's lying. The sky and the clouds and the weather seems to have changed a lot more than 15 minutes, even though on from your time perspective, obviously you don't have a watch or anything, but you were sure it was no more than a quarter of an hour. And you're pretty sure that, yeah, at least two hours have passed. The bird takes off and flies back to the trees. He says, Well, it seems you are telling the truth. There is indeed some sort of time dilation. Now about that snake. And just as he's saying this, you hear from behind you, and you flick your head round to look, and you see that emerging out of the portal, looking bewildered, is a long green grass snake with, uh, with wings that seems to fly around and then looking up at the dragon freaks the fuck out and turns and just dive bombs to get away what do you want to do is that one of yours it looks um dragon like it's got your green scales and where'd that come from pretend to be very surprised uh let's make a deception check that is cocked between a five and an 18 that is a five Definitively this time. Five plus your deception of one. That is a six. Is that when? Is that? It looks like a dragon. I think you are very well aware that that is not a dragon. I think you're also aware that that can't shoot arrows. So what about this snake? Did you fail to tell me before? The rope under his claws sort of shifts a little as he as he as he readjusts his weight. And with the shifting of the rope, you feel yourself kind of like your perch as you've got yourself. You're still holding your weight on your on the rope. You've just managed to secure yourself again, like with your feet against the the, um, the rock. Did he say why he wants to know? Nope. He's interested to know what you know about that snake. Maybe we attempt to fall into the portal like our chances with the bird more than the bottom of the pit that we're in. <laughs> There's better chances, perhaps. Can we please stop lying to this lying expert, guys? <laughs> this is not going to end well for us. Is there any sort of handhold near in case he severs the rope? It is a rocky cliff face, so uh, you can potentially, if you see the rope sever being severed, you can make a dex, a dex save to try and grab onto the rock face. It must have arrived after I left, you see. I've seen a couple of people say, saying, can you Misty Step up there to solid ground? So we'll put that as a poll now. Misty Step is an ability that, you know, uh, that he knows you have. You've demonstrated it to him before. Um, you are 30 feet from the ledge, so you, so uh, Misty Step allows you to Misty Step within 30 feet to a point you can see. So you would be able to Misty Step as your bonus action up onto the edge of the cliff face, and then hopefully with your movement get further away from the cliff face, then he can just push you in again. Should we Misty Step now, yes or no? You have uh, two level two spell slots, so you can use one of those to Misty Step if you want to get yourself out of this precarious position. Can we ask that we continue the talking on solid grounds? You can just ask him that. It's a, I, I, I don't know anything about that snake, I'm sorry. It must have arrived after I, after I uh, left the portal. Um, uh, and he goes, oh, right. So you claim that this, this time dilation means that it moves at about eight times the speed on this plane of existence as on that. And yet, with you here on this side for less than three minutes... This bird arrived, this, this uh, snake arrived in your position... Less than an eighth of that after you left. You think I don't know maths? 
Can we continue this on solid ground, please? This lying is going great. <laughs> this green dragon, as has been proven several times now in your interactions with him, is very intelligent. To the point where he arrogantly prides himself on being so. Dragon is a maths nerd. He is smart enough to know that if things are moving eight times faster on this plane of existence, they're moving eight times slower on that plane of existence. So for you to have been on this side of the portal for maybe four minutes at most, that snake would have had to have arrived at your position within 30 seconds of you leaving. So it seems like he's catching you in a lie here of not know not having seen that snake before you left. Alright, with 59% of the vote, you decide yes you are going to Misty Step, because even if he doesn't like you getting up and out of there, you'd be much better you'd be in a much better position to be up on solid ground than him snapping your rope and dropping you. Alright. So, sinking down to the uh the origins of this ability that you have, this uh, this Gamerson, this 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 god of trickery and deceit and deception and shadows, who presented you this ability within yourself uh, in the first place, you definitely feel the fear and the uh, adrenaline in your system of uh, lying to this Luciferic when he's in such a position of power again, and you target that uh, that adrenaline into the feelings of of prickles and. Um, and goosebumps and, and pins and needles across your skin. The feeling that you're very familiar with that summons your ability to use planar travel to your will. One that you have been practicing for a little while now. A few days at least. You glance off to the side from where he is and tucked sort of just in a space under one of his outfilled wing wings you can see an overhanging uh, patch of dirt with lots of um, uh, sort of deep-rooted uh, weeds in it, and realizing that that's probably a best bet of a place to land, so that you, so that you don't immediately fall backwards. You can grab a hold of some deep-rooted weeds. You focus those tingles into uh, into turning your body into that of force energy, the or original magics of the universe and opening for yourself a portal to that exact spot. And within a second, you have cast Misty Step and arrived, not hanging off of the uh, cliff, but but standing in the patch of uh, overhanging dirt and, uh, and weeds. Question for me is, does a rope come with you when you Misty Step? Are you considered as wearing it? Because anything you're wearing or carrying comes with you, as long as it's not inorganic. So, uh, as long as it's not organic, rather. So, I would say that the the commanding rope, which is tied around you, is considered to be worn by you right now. But where the commanding rope ties to the regular rope, that is no longer a can, that's two distinct objects. So, I say that the commanding rope comes with you in the misty step and uh, remains tied around your waist, coiled up around you. Um, but the where it connected to the regular rope, that is still left dangling beneath his claws attached to the, the tree. Also, that means that uh, it doesn't prevent, it doesn't um, break things in future. If you ever get tied up, you can't, can't necessarily misty step out of the rope because you're considered to be wearing the, the rope at that point and it'll come with you. I think that's a good call. So you misty step yourself up onto the, um, the the ledge next to him, 
technically in we're not in an initiative round right now but technically in this it's such a quick action to cast that spell that you can take an action and a movement as well what do you want to do before he sort of reacts to you having misty stepped away what's your what's your plan everybody uh move away from the edge and and drop prone so it's hard to knock you in all right so you misty step up in the same movement you your momentum you sort of like duck yourself away from the the ledge beneath his wing and onto the ground um kneel down uh, away from him a little bit we were dizzy and confused and hurt i was shot up by something behind us and got out as soon as i could and you expect me to know what's going on with a flying snake which i didn't even know existed i'm not as smart as you lord lucifreak with your end there you, you sort of like groveling to him and you're showing uh fear and uh, and subservience i will have you roll a this time it's going to be a performance check you're performing uh, the, the the role of a subservient, groveling um, servant of his, and with a seventeen, he sees this misty step happen, and you see his wings go out, the shackles go up. He stands immediately back up to his feet uh, and looks around. He see, he he senses you dis appear beside him and whips around to face you in a, in a in a very sort of aggressive and hostile manner <laughs> his neck goes out towards you and then as soon as you drop prone and just sort of start groveling immediately he stops and you grovel i'm not as smart as you lord lucifreak i'm sorry no if you were smarter and his head comes right down to behind yours as 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 though a um a mama cat about to bite the neck of uh, of one of the, one of her kits. His neck, his head, right down behind yours. If you were smarter, you would know better than to lie to me again. Let this be your last warning. He steps back, and then again he does his buckling motion, puts his head his uh, head down, right in front of you, and says. You have talents, skills, gifts that I need. I can be very accommodating to my friends. You do not have to fight me at every turn. Your friend, the pig, she didn't need to die like that. You have other friends in that village. There are more you care for. Don't make me hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. Work with me, Apis. We can achieve great things. Great things together. I trust you can find your own way home. And then he, he retracts his neck away. His wings go out. <laughs> you feel a huge draft and you are very grateful that you're more than five feet from the edge of the uh, the cliff because the draft is quite a, quite a forceful um, blow. He takes off and takes off into the skies. And you lie with your, uh, on, on all fours with your head down until the sound of his beating wings has truly retracted. And you're left in silence with the only sound, the wind 
blowing. What do you want to do? Did the flying snake go back to its portal? You you didn't see where it went. It you, you saw it sort of appear, looked around just as it came out of the portal, looked up to see a dragon, and then just bucked it away below the portal. Did not go back into the portal at that point. Just roll over onto our back and stare up at the sky. Go live in the airplane. <laughs> we can eke out existence for ourselves over there. It'll never be able to find us. Take a deep breath that we survived. Get further away from the edge. Have a breather for a minute. Puke again. <laughs> Did he drop the rope? No, he the rope the rope that he was uh, he wasn't holding it. He was just kind of covering over it so that he could at a moment's notice. But he he didn't. He left it dangling off of the tree. Can we write a note in hopes that the birds can find a translator? You certainly can. What have you got? Uh, you've got a crow feather. Uh, you've got a book. You can tear a page out of. Um, you've got what have you got for ink? Lantern oil won't be very good ink, but the healing potions might be because they are red, so you could write a little red note in Healing Potion with a crow feather and a torn out book page from your book if you want. He will not be pleased if we're outside when dusk comes. That is a good point, very likely. Bring in the rope, retrieve your other rope. Okay, so you go over to um, you go over to the tree, you untie your knot with shaking fingers. You untie the knot that's uh, uh, around and you coil up your rope. You have both your ropes back. You get your magic rope to give it the command to uncoil and coil itself back up again off of you so it's no longer wrapped around your waist. You've got you've got both your ropes back in your inventory now. Oil and charcoal, that's a good idea. Yeah, you could make a fire, make some charcoal. The birds on this side are spies and will tell on us if we write a note. Very good point. You do know that there was no one around you when you yeeted into the portal, so for him to know that you went into a portal, and from putting two and two together, he said you were gone for about uh, two hours, and that he was standing there for about an hour and a half waiting for you. So he obviously took half an hour to get to the portal from from the time that you yeeted into it. So the good, there's a good chance, Apis knows with uh, their very good intelligence, there's a good chance that uh, the birds of this particular part of the forest um, eventually got the message to him that you'd, you'd, you'd yeeted off of a cliff and disappeared. And he went, hmm, interesting, and then came to investigate. What time of day is it? Uh, let me try and remember. What time of day was it when we yeeted into the portal? I want to say somewhere around midday. I think it was just afternoon, maybe? Does anybody remember what time it was when we yeeted into the portal? I think it was somewhere between 12 and 2-ish. So it's probably around... I think it was midday? Let's say midday, just for argument's sake, then. Uh, so it's now about 2 in the afternoon. Um, it is early... It's mid-spring, I think, from memory. Uh, which means that it's going to get it's going to get dark around six or seven p.m. So you've probably got about four or five hours to get back to the the dome. Uh, very much doable in that time. If you're beelining it back, you'll get there in like an hour or two. It did take you a few hours to get to the portal, but that's because you were foraging on your way. If you beeline for the portal, you'll get uh, for the for the dome. You'll get back in an hour or two. Best bets to remember where the portal is, come back later. Apis should start heading back after gathering themselves. Alright. So you uh, you gather yourself, you start making your way back. Um, I'll have your all a perception check. Uh, with a 9 plus your perception of uh, 5, and now you're in a forest, you now get your forest bonus as a ranger, which is another 3 on top of that. Uh, so that's actually even rolling a nine. That is a seventeen. Rangers, men, they're not as, not as weak as people say. With a seventeen, just as you're about to leave this clearing, 
you've sort of gathered yourself, your nerves have gone back to a, a regular state, um, you are no longer shaking with the adrenaline. You're about to leave when you hear, and then looking back over your shoulder, you see an aracocra fly up from the edge and land on the side of the, the cliff face, and another one, the darker brown one, land next to him. And they're looking around, cocking their head until one of them sees you. And then they start to walk over to you. And now we need to tell Lucy about these guys. What do you want to do? They're approaching you. You can ask for a ride home. <laughs> tell them we're in danger. Uh, act surprised. Hold our hands up. Shake our head back to, back away from towards the forest. All right. So this is there's a lot of um, people saying like act surprised or say that we don't know who they, pretend we don't know who they are all that sort of stuff. Uh, so I will roll you a deception deception or performance. It's actually the same for you because you're not proficient in either. So it's just a plus one. Exceptional performance to see how well you are deceptively performing. So that's a 13, above average. Uh, you, you act surprised and... Who are you? Uh, who are you? Uh, you, should, you should not be here. It's, this, is, this is dangerous. I, I don't know... I don't know who you are. <laughs> Try the panpipes again. Be good. Um, you back, your hands up, you back away, stand still. And then you reach for your panpipes, do we? Uh, introduce yourself. That's clever. You go... Uh, I'm... I'm Apis. Do you do you speak common? Um, Headcox. It seems that they speak. They uh, they switch into um, uh, Oran rather than Arakokran. They look at one another. I'm Apis. Do you speak? And then you t uh, switch into Sylvan. Do you speak Sylvan? Um, I I'm I'm. I don't, I don't know who you are. Do, do you understand me? You shake your head and sort of back away. You're also trying to like subtly in, involve like a, just a, a very much body language feeling of don't follow me. Um, you back away as you say, do, do you speak Draconic? Uh, you say in Draconic. Do, do, do you speak Dwarvish? You say in Dwarvish. I'll have them roll a check actually. Uh, no, that's D12. Ooh, that was almost in that one. And for the brown one, okay, thankfully the brown one gets it. Uh, the light brown one does not seemingly understand, but the brown one <coughs> stops for a second, and the light brown one takes another couple of steps forwards and then turns to his friend. They look at each other for a couple of seconds. Back to you. Back at each other. And the brown one. And then turns and his wings go out. He takes to the, he takes off of the ground and then just swoops over the edge and disappears back down where he was. The light brown one turns to turns back to you. Looks around. And then his wings go out and without turning away from you, he flies backwards away from you. And then over the edge turns and sort of uh, does a half twist over the edge and disappears out of sight. So what do you want to do? Head back towards the dome now? We should go find the dragon and say some bird people came out of the plane. Head back. They must be the ones who shot. So you head back towards the dome. Are you going straight back? You've got a few hours of light. You want to do any more foraging on your way back? Try and find any more rations uh, or any more ingredients for your uh, potions that you've been tasked with doing while you're here at the dome? Um, he 
knows they're there whether we say something or not, yeah, so it's best to actually come clean, as it were, and tell him that information. Straight back, we, we're hurt and we want a warm bath. Head back, more foraging on the way, mend the rope, magic rope with the command. Uh, the magic rope is actually one of the properties of the rope of commanding, is it's also a magic, uh, a rope of mending, so it will it will mend itself. Any damage to it will mend. Did we get a stone for the sculptor? We did, yes, we found a stone. Not like a huge stone, because we have to carry it, but we did find like a, a, a decent boulder, sort of something that you could maybe make a head out of. That's about as, as big as we got. Uh, thumbs up in the chat if you want to forage on the way back to the dome. Thumbs down if you just want to go straight there. Beeline it back to the dome. It is about two in the afternoon, give or take, and uh, and you've got about four hours uh, before the, the you start to lose the light. Mm, this is a tough one. I'll have to put this to a proper pole, it seems, because it's uh, right down the middle. Uh, forage for ingredients. This is potion ingredients. One of the reasons uh, that we were, well, sorry, one of the jobs that we've been tasked with in this in this um, this this prisoner situation is that we're working with the alchemists to try and create a potion of poison vulnerability. The dragon has beef with his father, and uh, and his father, obviously being a green dragon himself, is immune to being poisoned. So he knows that if he was to fight his father, his breath his breath weapon attack would do nothing against him. And so he, to get the upper hand, he's trying to have his, his prizes, his alchemists, he's trying to have them develop a some sort of a potion that will force his father to be vulnerable to to poison damage. It, uh, it's, a, it's a flawed plan, for sure, but it's, uh, it's what he's working on at the moment. It's one of the things he's working on. Forage for ingredients for the potions. Forage for food more rations for us and potentially the um, the other prisoners. Uh, forage for uh, stone. There is a stone worker who is a fellow prisoner whom we are trying to get on the good side of um, and one of the things we said that we would look out for her uh, look out for for her uh, was um, stone that is nice to be sculpted. She's much more of a stone worker than a woodworker. So forage for ingredients, forage for food, forage for stone, uh, forage for anything else, forage for um, a potion of poison vulnerability sounds suspiciously like a poison. And therein lies the rub, unfortunately. That is the problem that the alchemists are facing, is that they're trying to give it, they're trying to develop a potion uh, that will make somebody vulnerable to poison damage <laughs> so that they can give it to something that's already immune to poison damage but anything that they're coming up with is technically a poison and is therefore not working on things that are immune to poison damage. And that's where that's why you and the alchemists are sort of hitting a wall with it, but the dragon doesn't care. He's like, F figure it out, figure it out. You're my prisoners, do what, do, do what I tell you to do. Forage for ingredients, forage for for food, forage for stone, forage for an escape plan. Um, forage for an escape plan. I mean, that's actually a pretty good idea. So like investigate the area, investigate the uh, surroundings more. Uh, and straight back. So your poll, it's going to be a three minute poll to decide. Are we going to uh, forage for ingredients on our way back to the dome? Forage for food? Forage for stone? Forage uh, for investigating your surroundings to see just like a better idea of your escape plan in, in, in the future? Uh, I'll go straight back. Keep in mind that you have about four hours It'll take you about an hour to get back if you go straight. Um, you've got about four hours left of the light.
So if you want to do anything else during the day, um, like in the dome, if you want to be talking to people or helping out with anything, um, and you want to have time to do that before everybody goes to sleep and whatnot, you probably want to get back pretty quickly. All right, with 48% of the vote wanting to forage for ingredients, 26% of the vote wanting to investigate your surroundings, and 22% of the vote wanting to go straight back, that's what we'll focus on our, our time. We'll do sort of a middle ground of those things. Um, we will focus on trying to uh, not dilly-dally, but we won't be going straight back at, at a clip. We'll be, we'll be taking a little bit of time to forage for ingredients and to just investigate our surroundings around the, um, around the dome. So let me put something in perspective for myself, the direction that we are. Okay, so let me roll a percentage chance that you'll find anything worthwhile with your investigations. What's the chances that there's something in the area? Okay. Um, then me, let me roll you a, a foraging check. So I have my own foraging rules. If you want to know the specifics of them, they are available on my Patreon. We're going to take two hours of foraging. We are going to be foraging in uh, dense forest or jungle as the terrain. And then we are going to roll a survival check. So survival, uh, which will mean you get a, oh no, the forest, forest bonus that we always shout about is proficient, is double your proficiency, not advantage, I think. Uh, which means that you get six, seven, eight, eight onto your survival. That's pretty good. Plus eight to your survival. Here we go then. You got a nine. Nine plus eight is seventeen. With a seventeen, you will get one d six common ingredients on your way home. You will find one d six of the common ingredients needed for a uh, for various potions. Two. You'll find two of your two of the common ingredient list, uh, which on top of the stuff that you found on your way out to the portal, which I think was like six or so. You found a decent chunk of common ingredients. The the the, um, the alchemists back at the dome will be pretty happy. I will also, because some of you wanted to sort of investigate your surroundings, I will roll a an investigation check on your way back. An investigation of five plus three from uh, from that, uh, and then plus three again from your forest bonus. That takes it to an eleven. With an eleven, you don't find anything worthy worthy of uh, like noteworthy. You. You don't find anything that's like, oh, this would be this would be good for an escape plan, or oh, I'll remember this rock because it's good for hiding people under, and oh, there's a cave system here that doesn't look like it's you know obvious to the nothing like that. You just find more forest, lots of forest, lots of uh, trees, felled trees, lots of plants, a uh, few different babbling brooks and things, uh, a couple of springs, a couple of cliff faces, like it's just the regular stuff. Nothing, nothing that would aid you in any way from for any sort of escape plan. Uh, you also don't see any evidence that there has been any undead creatures in the area on your way back. So you take two hours to uh, to to forage your way back towards the uh, the dome, and when you arrive outside the dome, um, let me think, what's the dragon doing this time? Uh, as you arrive back at the dome, you enter the um, the small. Uh, uh, can't think what to call it. It's not a moat because there's no water in it, but there is a there is a surroundings of the dome, the vegetative dome that uh, that encompasses the the Wood Elf village. 
there is a, a path around it that has been cleared of all forest debris. Um, it's not even really a trench because it's all, it's not even like dug un, dug in. It's just a it's just a, a a a large area where nothing grows around the dome. You arrive at the edge of that and you see that there are a couple of a, a couple more of the um, the half dragon rats and things around the area. Uh, you start to get into more of an area where there's there's his, his creatures, his his army, as it were, around a clearing. Yeah, I suppose a clearing. And as you step out into the clearing. Um, one of the uh, one of the uh, half dragon birds flies down past you and then flies off away just as, uh, um, to sort of check you out and fly out uh, away. And then about thirty seconds later, as you're sort of standing there wondering how you get back into the dome, a part of the dome's wall rips open into an archway um, to your uh, left, about forty feet to your left. And you book it that direction, knowing that it won't stay open for for very long. You manage to get through that archway just in, just in time as the um, the archway closes down behind you, and forms a thick uh, wall of uh, brambles and thorns again. And you are now back on the inside of the dome. It is probably four ish in the afternoon, give or take. Uh, you're probably starting to feel a little bit uh, hungry again. You've 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 uh, you've still got some of the rations that you used earlier today. Um, I said that one rations is one day's worth of food, so you've eaten half of the rations for your midday meal. Uh, threw some of it back up again, <laughs> and had a lot of adrenaline and a lot of uh, physical activity today. So you're probably starting to feel hungry for the rest of the food. Um, I'll say that Apis is smart enough to have eaten some of it on the way uh, back to the dome, though, knowing that uh, they'll not likely be allowed to eat on the way back. So you've eaten the rest of your rations. You arrive back in the dome. It is dark inside the dome, as always, um, being that there's no uh, artificial lighting. Well, very little in the way of artificial lighting in here. There are a few oil lanterns up in the canopy of the trees. But down here on the ground, very dark. So deliver the herbs and stone, I guess. All right. So you do so. You um, you walk across towards the middle of the uh, the dome way, uh, underneath the very disturbing uh, display of the dead um, knight that is uh, that is being displayed under two uh, two spears under his um, under his armpits, and he's been displayed in a somewhat crucified manner uh, in the centre of the village as a a display of what not to do. You walk past it without looking at it um, and uh, climb up the rope ladder. Making your way up the rope ladder, you uh, you have the choice. Do you go left towards the alchemists and deliver the herbs and potion ingredients first, or do you go right towards the um, the sculptor and deliver her the stonework first? That dead knight must be starting to really stink. He's not pleasant, that's for sure. There's definitely an uh, aura around him of, uh, of flies. The dragon, it seems, Lucifreak, is not actually in the village. As you look around him, as you're climbing the ladder, Lucifreak is not here. Wait until one of the dragonborn approaches us, and when they speak to us, tell them we have a message for Lucifreak. Alright, so um, uh, one of the dragonborn approaches, what time of day is it, and which one would it be? It would be... what's her face? Uh, it would be that one, the one that approached you first, the one that we hate the most. Enola. Uh, we see Enola. Um, who witnesses come back into the dome, stands up on the um, on the balcony, looking at us as we as we approach the rope bridge, 
and then turns to um, to sort of come up and meet meet us as we arrive back at the top. And she says, "You are back early. Were you unsuccessful in your hunt? Your foraging? You say we have um, a message for Lord Lucifreak. What is your message? What's the mas- What's the message?" Did we have our masks during the encounter? That's a good point. Uh, we did not, I don't think. Did we Did we have our mask on? I can't remember. Did we ever mention that we had our, um, our dragon mask on or off during that whole uh, air, airplane existence? We should have. We should have had our mask on. I think we did. I don't. I don't think we um, ever told, uh, ever mentioned taking it off. So Apis has been wearing the um, the dragon skull mask the whole time. We um we saw some strange birdman creatures that came from the portal. I think he'll he'll want us to know, he'll he'll want to know that there's creatures coming through the portal. There is a portal. Where is this portal? Uh, it's nearby. Um, I, I've I, Lord Lucifreak knows about it. He's he's uh, asked. Uh, he 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 knows where the portal is. Some bird people came through the portal with bows. Uh, I believe that's probably what shot at me on the other side of the portal. There are bird people with bows. I will get the message to Lord Lucifreak. Get back to work, she says. Yes, you bow your head in deference to her, and and then turn to leave. You're gonna take the um, I'm gonna take the stone to the sculptor first because it's heavier. Herbies first. All right, herbs are our actual job. Okay, so we head with the um, with the the herbs and ingredients. We head over to the um, the alchemists who are called Capona and Hlerington. And we find them as as per usual in the um, in the alchemist hut up in the uh, the mezzanine of this this uh, dome in a tree house working away as per usual on something that's steaming from a pot and just as you get there they're kind of like scooping something out of the steaming pot and into a sort of conical flask and they're allowing it very gently to run down the side of the flask and then hoping that it doesn't like drip it seems it seems like they're very carefully very carefully pushing it into the glass they're barely breathing as you enter the door behind them and just as they get the the flask filled up they sort of like give it a, a gentle swirl and as they swirl it it goes from like a dark blue liquid that there's sort of a vortex appears in the middle from where they're swirling it and from the outside of the vortex inwards, this uh, this this deep emerald green starts to permeate through the blue. It gets to the edges, and they both look rather excited until BAM! It suddenly explodes, and uh, the glass goes shouting out. I will get you to make a dexterity saving throw. Uh, that's cocked. Uh, yeah, easy enough. That's a that's a 20, 23 for you. You dodge to the side as a couple of chunks of glass hits the um, the the sides of the the, the doorway around you, um, and both of them sort of wince as the the glass hits into their face, and the, all that's left is this this sort of smoking, smouldering um, uh, greenish liquid that's splattered against a bunch of people. <clears throat> So close, just shun us. Forgive us, forgive us. They sort of look around to see what damage was caused, and you can see that there's blood dripping from their faces where they've been gashed both by uh, exploding glasswork. A liquid grenade might work on a dragon too, true. 
uh, as they look around to see what damage was caused, they see you for the first time. Ah, are you, are you alright, Apis? I'm so sorry for that. Um, you weren't hurt? Ow! You okay? I'm, I'll be fine. She, um, walks over to, um, she walks over to, uh, uh, um, what's the word for it? Like a spice rack sort of a situation with a few, um, vials in it by the door. And she takes out one of the vials. It's got a very pale sort of rosy liquid to it. And she pops it off and drinks it down. And you see the, the, um, the cut on her face quite deep and, uh, and, and bleeding profusely. Uh, immediately starts to stitch itself back up and she's still got the blood on her face but she's um, no longer wounded from it uh, they didn't have their masks on now um, she takes another one out and sort of like tosses it underhand to um, to Clarington who, uh, who grabs it as well and does the same um, there's a big deep cut, cut that was real close to his eye um, and it and he heals it up um, how 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 are you um, Apis are you has your day been better than ours um, I, I've got some things for you. You take your herbs out. And you hand them over, presumably. Oh, you actually have to hand them to the sorting hut, presumably. Are you going to tell these people what you found and then take it to the sorting sorting person uh, to take uh, Leandra and Alethi? Is there anything you wish to talk to the uh, alchemists about? Better or worse is, well, hard to say, but it's certainly been an interesting day. Right. Yes, I was as well. She looks over to Larrington and says, Oh, we should put your mask back on now, now that we're finished, I suppose. And she just reaches out a dejected hand onto um, a countertop beside her and picks up her mask, which was lying flat on it. And with very uh, heavy hand, she sort of sticks it back over her face. And they're both wearing their um, their dragon, dragon skull masks. Show them what we found. Um, she takes out. Uh, we take out the uh, herbs and say, "Look, we found um, we found some of this and some of that and some of the other. Uh, we found some aliandol, uh, some simbatrin. Uh, we found some mondwort today. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is the sea scum that we were after as well. Uh, some tundric. Oh, we found some tundric. That's uh, very useful. Thank you. Um, we'll." Uh, we actually used up our, the last supply of our, um, our remkinat. Did you find any of that? Uh, that's this stuff, right? Yes, I think it is. Um, you'll be best taking it to Leandra um, and Alethi. They'll they'll be able to uh, sort out which ones are actually um, usable and not. What was uh, what was that? The potion. I thought we were getting close. We we managed to utilize the um, natural resistances of. Uh, there's a creature in the forest. It's quite rare. Uh, Ilito managed to bring us one alive. Um, it's uh, it's, it's this the creature, and she points to like a small um, bird cage that's uh, sort of sitting on one of the desks, like one of those round domed ones. And in it is this um, reptilian-looking creature, but it's got a bird-like beak to it. And she says uh, it's it's naturally resistant to a lot of creatures, uh, a lot of uh, sorts of elemental damage. This one, we thought its blood would be useful. Um, and it was. We, we, we've gotten close. It's just volatile and difficult to work with. I'm not familiar with um, with biological elements as, as much as I am with chemical ones. Uh, I'm much more familiar with plants as ingredients than, than blood. But we'll get there, I suppose. Um, is there anything we can do for you right now? Um, did you ever uh, did you ever give your blood to these guys? I'm not sure if you did. Did you? 
We said that you would, but I'm not sure that they ever actually took it from you. Uh, they say, could we get some of uh, some of yours? We were meant to be working with your dwarven blood as well, and I think we would be able to justify your being here in the in the treasure room if you um, if you're helping us if you've donated your blood. And you say, oh yeah, of course, of course. You want you want it now? I, I can. I'm actually pretty banged up, um, but I can definitely afford you some. And uh, you, they take a point of damage as they take out a, a small stiletto uh, knife, real thin pinpricky one and they prick the side of your um prick the side of your thumb you take a point of damage and they and they and they drain a, uh, a significant chunk of blood a chunk a significant um uh, volume of blood from your thumb uh, into this um like a, a boiling tube are they called i'm trying to think back to my chemistry now test tubes are the small ones the, the boiling tubes i think they were called those like like a like a big chunky boy test tube they fill up one of those with uh, with your blood, uh, and then they and then you know they give you give you a bit of um, uh, a a tear of um, some clean cloth to wrap around you, and then they 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 take it. Thank you for that. We'll uh, we'll see if we can work between the two different bloods, both resistant to different cre- uh, different types of damage. We might be able to work on something here. So um, you should probably head to uh, to. Um, uh, Leandra and uh, and give them the stuff to sort. So you turn as they as they sort of slump down onto their chairs and uh, and start talking back in Elvish about their um, presumably about their where to go from here. You um, you head down past the alchemy hut and to the sorting hut where you uh, you meet Leandra and uh, Alethi and uh, and you hand over everything that you found from the day. I'll have you roll an insight check. Ooh, a six plus your insight of two. Not great. There's a there's a, a moment when you hand over the, your uh, your herbs and things to um, Leandra that uh, it, it, nothing really noteworthy happens there, um, other than just you hand it over and there's there's um, sort of a very curt and quick response. Um, yes, thank you. Just put it there, sort of thing. It seems like they're not in any position to be um, any any um, state to be chatting, chit chatting with you. So you get the you get the hint and turn around and and leave them to their business um, and head over towards instead the um, uh, the sculptor whose name is Arlana. Heading to Arlana, you um, you arrive uh, in quick time and she is just as stressed as she was uh, the day before when she was working on a bust, a, a wooden bust of uh, one of the Dragonborn uh, guards and fretting over the fact that uh, elven, uh, elven art usually takes decades to complete and she's, uh, she's tasked with coming up with a new piece of art every month uh, for presenting to the um, to Lord Lucifreak for his treasure room. You walk over to Alana and say, um, hey, uh, this is... Uh, you you would have to this sort of stone I, I think right and you uh, um, um, pack it from your bag oh, big old stone poof, chuck it down on the table beside her and she looks across looks up at you um, I'll have you I'll have you roll another insight check see if you can pick up on how to read her expression not that she I mean she's behind a, a dragon bo- a, a skull of a dragon mask um, with your insight of twelve. Difficult because of her mask on, 
but you can tell in her eyes that she sort of flicks to you, flicks down to the the stone, and her initial uh, her initial look was one of sort of frustration um, and irritation, maybe. Uh, but then she seems to. In fact, would she? I think she would. I think she'd risk it. Um, she, her hand goes up to her mask almost instinctively, and she she just sort of lifts it up, puts it over, over her head as she grabs the the rock and moves it towards her quite forci- forcibly. Um, she starts asking you like, "Oh, where'd you find it?" and 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 uh, and uh, was there more of it? And all sorts of questions. She's being a little. Um, she hasn't thanked you for it, and she's being a little. Um, Forceful, maybe is the right word, uh, in in her sort of inspection of it and her and her questioning of, of you and where you got it from and is whether there's more of it and stuff. Uh, not not showing gratitude so much as um, excitement for the the stone. Commanding, commanding is probably a good word of it. She's being rude. Let's be let's be honest. She's being she's being slightly rude. Um, combined with the curt response that you got from the sorters. Uh, you didn't notice it at the time because your ins- insight check for them was um, pretty low. But now with slightly above average insight for this one, you get the impression that maybe you're not the most popular person in this um, in this uh, treasure room at the moment. She's being direct and forthright and and definitively a little bit rude. So she she's inspecting the thing and seems to be uh, excited about being able to work with stone. She pushes the, the 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 bust off to the side rather rather uh, forcefully. Uh, it kind of rocks and risks tipping over and off, off of the desk. Uh, she doesn't seem to care. <laughs> she pulls the, uh, the the stonework in front of her though, and she immediately goes to work, sort of like outlining it. She gets out a piece of chalk and she's outlining parts of the the front of it and sort of dividing it up into uh, into the most symmetrical um, plane. She's trying to find which part of it to to uh, look at it from. And then from that point, she starts marking it up with chalk across here, there, and then she starts to like shade out bits that need to be chipped out. And again, she hasn't thanked you for it. She just has gotten to work. What do you want to do now? You've delivered all that you needed to deliver. You've still got a few hours of the day before you are needing to go to sleep. Do you want to just get an early night? You can definitely do so. It's uh, you're definitely a bit of have got enough excitement from the day that you can um, you can uh, probably. <laughs> Fall fall asleep pretty quickly. You say, "I'm sure we can find more." Um, will it, will that work for you? Uh, anything I should look out for when choosing the rock? And she turns almost startled that you responded. Um, it seems like she's immediately almost forgotten that you were there because she's gotten super into her work immediately. She says, "Oh, um, uh, yes. Uh, if you something of this size is good. If you can find something larger, that would be better." Um, but I uh, thank you. She says finally and then turns back to her work. They don't know that we think we ate our friend Briar as a pig. They thought that we were just presented a, a roast pig and were rude in denying it. You were hoping that the chatty elf would have spread the word about our perspective on it by now. There's a good chance that that chatty elf may not uh, have a lot to do with other people as well, though. Not everyone meets everyone and talks to everyone on every day. It's uh, there's, there's a chance that... Um, Nobody's gone to talk to him, or the people that have have kept it to themselves, or whatever. Should we go try and find Cassandra? I wish to elope with my soon-to-be husband, thank you. <laughs> it's not going to happen, Rafe. <laughs> go find Cassandra. All right. So you um, you leave the uh, the sculptor, Alana, 
and you head uh, head over to try and find Cassandra. It doesn't take you very long before you find her by Rathal. Uh, she is in Rathal's um, uh, cleaning hut, and as you're approaching them, you see um, Cassandra coming back uh, out of that hut and sort of almost bumps into you, and in her hands she's holding a, uh, a sort of wicker basket filled with um, clean folded clothes, uh, clothing. Oh, uh, Apis. Hello. Um, and you can see that Cassandra's wearing her dragonborn mask as well. How does Apis feel when people are rude to him, them? Um, that's up to you, Spates. That's up to you with how Apis feels that y you guys are all equally parts of Apis. So you can make up your own mind about the, um, the, uh, personality and emotions of the character you're playing. Apis is smart. They know it's a misunderstanding. Yeah, Apis probably is smart enough to know that this, this rudeness is coming from a place of high tension as you're all, as they're all trapped prisoners and, uh, and, and rumours have been flying. Apis probably knows not to get hostile about it. It's up to you, though. Hey, Cassandra. Are you well today? Are you hungry? No, I'm, I'm fine, thanks, Apis. Um, I'm just, I just have to get, uh, on with my work. I don't want to be seen taking too long. Um, and she sort of smiles at you from under her um, under her mask. That's sort of one of these uh, top face masks. She smile, gives you a sort of weak smile, and then passes past you on the on the bridge and just continues a, a, along the way. Um, she turns off. You can you see her turn off towards um, uh, Arlana to deliver some clothes and such. We are slow to trust, correct? So if people are rebuffing our attempts at friendship to meetings, uh, that means Apis has tried, failed, and unlikely to try again. That's a good point, Space. You might be like, well. I tried. <laughs> Nothing no more from here, then. Depends on the context and the topic of the rudeness, yeah. Do you need any help, Cassandra? She says, no, no, thank you. I'm I'm, I'm good. I, I can do this. And you get the impression that she's trying to, like, prove herself. Because you've heard from the Green Dragon that uh, anybody, any of his treasures that don't prove themselves as worth keeping around don't stick around very long. A bit premature, but we should consider a response for any potential messages we might receive from the town tonight. Good point. The last couple of time, uh, the last night and this morning, you received a sending message um, in directly into your head, uh, telling you a little stuff about what Fonderg is 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 doing to try and get you back. So thinking about your uh, response to that might be a good idea. Well, it's good to see you contributing, Cassandra. Have you um, have you seen Charlie or the new uh, the, the the gnome that was here? She says, uh, the, the uh, gnome's uh, called Logan. He's um, he's had, having a hard time sort of adjusting, but uh, he's, he's, he's working with Thanalai uh, um, uh, in the uh, crushing the oils and things. It's not exactly his expertise, but uh, we don't have any gemstones yet. Um, uh, Charlie has um, he's been sent out to find some gems. Charlie's been sent out? Yes. When was he sent out? Earlier today. We haven't seen him back. He hasn't come back yet. No. Okay. Do you um do you know Kathleen? Um, does she know Kathleen? There's a chance she could, she would. Let's uh. Let me roll her an intelligence check. See if she actually it's. Let's first roll a percentage check. See what the chances are of her crossing paths with Kathleen before us. She has crossed paths, crossed paths with her. Let's see intelligence check to see if she remembers her. 
<laughs> Nat 20. Uh, she goes, oh yes, Kathleen, yes, she um, she was a, a, a knight in, in Fond Oak for uh, a few years. Do you know Kathleen? You see, I, I have met her um, up, up in the Shadridge. Oh, right, is that where she left to? Do we know the exact direction from the cliff to the dome? Yes, you do. Yeah, you've done it. You've done the. Um, you've done that journey in your mind a couple of times with the spell, with the um, detect portal spell. You've done it physically once in both directions, so you do know the direction uh, between the dome and the cliff. All right, so you've got a couple of hours left of the day. Is, is there anything you want to do? Uh, is is there anything you want? To, anyone you want to talk to? Uh, anything you want to investigate or ask about? Uh, do you want to talk to the guards about anything, or do you just want to? Call it a night and go to bed. Do we have any current plans to escape? It doesn't seem that way. No, nothing so, nothing concrete. There is a plan from the um, the people of Fonderg. They sent a message to you in your head uh, this morning saying, hold tight, uh, keep, your, um, keep your dice on you. Uh, we're going to track the dice and we're going to find out where you are and we're going to send people to save you. There's a rescue party coming in a few days. She, said, uh, she just said, it'll take some time to get them all together. So... There's some sort of rescue party coming. We also know that the king of this particular country that you're in is sending some sort of force to uh, to help as well. The dragon may or may not know any of that. Brew some tea with the herbalism kit. Could be nice for Cassandra. It's a good idea, Mod Brew. Let's do that. So you, um, you'll head over to the sorting hut again, to Leandra and Alethi, uh, and you ask them if there's anything um, that you can use for, for brewing tea. Um, that they found, and this time no insight needed. They are very rude to you. They're like, uh, we don't we don't give things out to people who just want them willy nilly. Uh, we give them to the people who want who, who, the people who need them. The uh, in potion ingredients go to the alchemists. The food and food and drink ingredients go to the uh, the cooks and chefs, uh, and the the building materials go to the builders. Sorry about it. You uh, you you turn around and you leave them alone, and uh, and you've got your. Um, You've got your answer that uh, to get some, some some herbalism to brew brew a nice calming tea for Cassandra or anything, you'll have to go to the cooks, who you also know already don't really like you. They they were kind of racist and rude towards you before you even um, before you even had the uh, the direct uh, dinner time with Lord Lucifreak and rejected him. So they might be even worse than that now. So hard to know. So what do you want to do? Do you want to pursue this uh, brewing tea situation, which will require you going to talk to the cooks um, that don't like you and and uh, having a, a bit more rudeness thrown your way, most likely? We have to find herbs of our own. Make a mental note to burn down that hut first. Apis <laughs> just doesn't care. Wait outside, wait outside. Forage outside for the tea. You can do that if you want. Uh, as we uh, as we get some tea together, one way or another, either either asking the um, the guards to allow us outside for a, uh, another hour to go and forage for it, or or by asking the uh, the cooks for it, one way or another, cut to an hour from now we have we have the herbs needed. Uh, we come back into the, the the village one way or another and and make up some tea, use our herbalism kit to sort of uh, prepare it in the best way we can. Um, and then it's easy enough for us as a as an uh, an outlander ranger to set up a small uh, a small enough fire to sort of bubble away some um, some tea. Zakar will come over and and sort of admonish you for for starting a fire, but you kind of explain oh, I'm just making some tea, and he scowls but lets it lets it go ahead uh, and says put the put the fire out as soon as you're done with it. Um, and he he stays on the ground level uh, to to sort of watch over you as he patrols around. By the time he finishes his first patrol of the thing, you've finished with your tea and you've 
extinguish the flame in the uh, the embers. Uh, so he allows you to go back upstairs with your your pot of tea, um, and quickly before it loses its heat, you pour it out for Cassandra. You give us you give her a cup of tea, cup of tea. Um, and then the dinner dinner bell is rang. The dinner bell dinner bell is rang, and everybody um, everybody goes towards the. Um, the, uh, the the dinner hall in the center of the the mezzanine but as you uh, as the dinner bell is rang before you even make tracks to go that way or anything uh, even if you weren't going to somebody uh, w- one of the um, uh, dragonborn uh, Zakar he stops you and says not for you you do not get to eat today um, and whether or not you were going to anyway <laughs> he makes it very clear that uh, that you are not to uh, go to the dinner hall so he matches you, uh, he sort of frog matches you to the dinner hall and sits you at a table, but then he just stands you ne- stands next to you as everybody else goes up and gets their bowl of slop from uh, from the, the cooks and comes to their table and they all sort of eat in relative silence. After the food is uh, is served out and eaten, it's a good thing you nibbled while you were foraging, that's right. After the food is served out and eaten, the uh, the bowls are pushed away and everybody sort of stands up and, and walks their way to the door. Uh, you notice a few sort of glares and glances in your direction. Not everybody. The uh, alchemists are both fine with you. Uh, Clarington and um, whatever her name was, uh, they're, they're both fine with you. Uh, but they definitely Thenali, um Alana, Alana less so. Alana kind of gives you um, a sort of more neutral look on her way out of the door beside you. Uh, it seems like getting her some stone definitely helped. But various of them um, are not happy with you. It seems Charlie is not there. You uh, are the last one in the um, in the eating hall before they uh, allow you to stand. And uh, and um, Zakar says, um, "Right, time for sleeps." And then he takes to takes a step to the door and sort of like pulls you by the shoulder and pushes you out of the the, the eating hall and and sort of forces you in the direction of the the sleeping hut. You make your way over the the rope bridge to the the, the resting meditative hall where the elves don't need bedrooms uh, because they don't sleep but they do meditate so it's a sort of cylindrical room with um with cushions lining the walls and as you sort of sit down on one of the cushions get it uh, up against a wall where you can actually take a snooze uh, because as a dwarf you do actually need to sleep you notice that in this room are uh, cassandra who is um, already sort of making her bed you can see the new gnome uh, that you haven't been formally introduced to yet, um, who is, na- is called Logan, um, and no Charlie. There are a couple of the elves who have who have come in for an early um, an early meditative rest, and as you as you get ready for um, as you get ready for going to sleep and having your long rest, I will end the session there, on not a cliffhanger for once, and I will see you next time. Thank you very much for joining me, everybody. And I'll see you next time. Bye. That's all for this episode of Twitch Tales. But if you want to be there to actually join in on the decision making, head over to twitch.tv forward slash Robert Hartley GM and click the little love heart to follow the channel. It's free to do and it notifies you when I go live so you can tune in to join the fun. I'll see you there.